I'm not pulling into my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another Drive to Work. Okay, so I'm using my at-home time to interview people. And today I have Brady Bell, Senior Director of Game Design at Wizards of the Coast. So, hey, Brady. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. So one of the things that I've been having fun interviewing people that are sort of not designers per se is I want the audience to understand that there's a lot that goes into making magic beyond just the making of it. So I talk about the product a lot. So today we're going to talk about process and people. My favorite topic, process and people, the magic behind the magic. Yes. Well, and and I mean, I think what the reason your job is so important is that there's all these designers that you have to make sure have everything they need. And, you know, the, like you and I work to figure out who's on what team. Like there's a lot of work that put up from your end of like making sure that we have what we need and the people have what they need. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the fun part. My, my role is kind of like an air traffic controller for magic. The, so the I, I think I have the best job in the building, except maybe for you. The, you know, I get to touch every product we make and all the people who make it. So it's kind of the, the best peanut butter and chocolate of, of having how magic comes to be. All of it I get to touch in a way that is super light and super fun, but I'm also not responsible for the hard part that you have and everyone else has that actually executes and makes sure every single one of the cards is delightful and balanced and fun. I, I get to wave off long before those decisions have to be made. I get to share my stupid ideas with you and you humor me. Uh, but I get to work with all the wonderful, talented people we have and try to orchestrate the right people at the right times for the right sets to make sure we're, we're, we're doing our best to put the most delightful magic in people's hands. Like, what, what could be better than that job, right? Okay, so I want to give people some sense of scope. Um, now, obviously, we're talking about the future, so we're not going to mention specifics, but how many magic sets, as of right now, are in some form of design? Oh, that's a great question. You're putting me on the spot. Let's I mean, rough, roughly. I know you, getting the exact number will be hard. But, like, to give the audience some idea, because the number is higher than the audience thinks. I know that. Yeah, I, I would say full, large booster sets. We're probably actively working on close to 10, I would say, are, are in development, in flight at some stage of development right now with dedicated teams creating content. There are probably 10 large sets right now uh, in production. Okay, but how about supplemental sets? Uh, oh. uh, uh, like everything being designed. I'm not, I'm not talking just about the, the main things. Somebody, there's a team, they're designing it. It's, it's magic product being made. Any kind easy, of magic product. Easily over two dozen um, of, of, of various size. You can get up over 30 probably when, when you get down into smaller secret layer offerings, things we're doing for charity, things we're doing specifically that are digital only. Uh, you can you can easily get over 30 things that we're trying to, 30 balls we're trying to juggle at any one time to make awesome magic stuff. And from a process standpoint, um, how long, I mean, like, what is the longest a magic product can take and what's the shortest a magic product can take? The, so let, let's start with the last one. The, the shortest we would put something together for is probably going to be in the secret layer category. Um, and the mileage will vary widely versus, you know, if we're trying to, hey, is there any uh, original content? Are we doing new designs in this or not? But let, let's take the most extreme example of something that we're just going to be trying to match uh, really, really good reprints um, people are looking for with a specific IP, whether that's ours or universes beyond. Um, that, that would be, you know, probably soup to nuts, 
nine months is probably the fastest something is going to is going to go through the machine that 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 is us. Uh, and then on the other end, boy, I would say there are things we would start talking about in real detail, probably four years uh, before it's actually going to be in a player's hands. I mean, Mark, you and I in the past week have probably had yeah. three real, <laughs> largely deep conversations about a set that people aren't going to be able to play for more than three years from now. That That's that's how in front, in front of the trains we need to be to be uh, making smart decisions around people and being aligned on what we're aiming at for, for a given product. Okay, so let's say you're putting together a team. Um, what are the qualities you look for when you're trying to assemble a design team? Oh, boy. Um, so let's see. Let, let's take a... Let's say it's going to be a standard legal set. Um, you and I will start planning very, very early about having the right combination of people that are going to be uh, operating an initial design or what we refer to as exploratory and, and initial and vision design. Excuse me. Exploratory and vision design. So we're going to want to check the right boxes there. We want to make sure we have the right designers who are in there who aren't um, they're not handcuffing themselves. They're not closing up doors in their brain in terms of, is this something we're going to be able to execute on? What type of impact is this going to have on standard? Um, we are much more focused on having people early on in the process who are just trying to um, understand the creative of the set to make sure something you're always driving home is what are the tropes? What are people going to expect here? And what does that mean inside of magic? Uh, and then taking that, whether it's through theme or individual card or mechanical exploration, just try to find fun and interesting gameplay interactions absent, largely absent of, is this something we really feel like we can execute on downstream at the end? Um, and every single month a, a set goes along, we will be fine-tuning adjustments, bringing different, different people in who have different skill sets, uh, and pulling other people off so they can focus on new unique things that they over deliver on. And so there's a real delicate balance of how a bill becomes a law or how we turn a puppet into a real boy by the end of the day that requires, uh, you know, month to month sort of slight adjustments in terms of people, personalities and talents uh, to, to make a magic set real at the end of the day. So I want to jump in here. It's two things I want to explain, and then I want to walk through an actual vision design to, to show people how this works. Um, the first thing is something that's really important that is underlying what you're saying, but I just want to sort of say it bluntly, is different people have different skills. That, that There's not a uniform designer. Different designers do different things. And part of your job is who are the best designers with the skills they have at this portion of the design? Yeah, that, that that's right. That's the game that you and all the designers who work with you are making is one game. The game I play it has more to do with the people who, who are making the game. So I'm I'm trying to put the you know to use a baseball analogy. I'm trying to make sure we have the right person playing first base and the right person playing shortstop at the right time for the given situation. What inning are we in? What is the score of this game? What is the opponent doing? These are all the things that I'm looking at just from a people level to make sure I'm setting all of our leads up for success by giving them the right card designer at the right time, the right person to come in and focus on a given environment, right? We have different people who are going to really 
uh, over-indexed and really help us shape limited versus the right people to come in who really want to nail down our constructed shots and feathering all of those things together is is sort of the people game that uh, that that I get to play. And the second thing that you said that I, I want to reinforce here um, is it's an evolving thing that you know we're, we're gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about a, a exploratory vision in a second, but it's not as if it's just one thing. It, it's an evolving thing. People might be there for the first month, but not be for, for the second month. The, the team, even if we're just talking exploratory, just talking vision, it can change over time. Yeah, absolutely. And it can change for a number of reasons. It can change because um, we're making adjustments. We're coming up with better ideas, right? Better ideas always come up as we're making something and we want to take advantage uh, of of every single one of those. Uh, It can vary uh, a little bit by who is actually a vision or a set lead on something and the amount of support they need or how they like to operate. So you can take um, I'll go off on one little tangent here. So you can take Dave Humphreys as an example. Dave very much likes having a consistent team um, that sort of checks all the boxes in terms of the contribution he needs, the, hey, the right people to go ahead. Just to jump in, D- Dave Humphreys tends to lead set design, just so the audience understands. He, he's he's one of our top set designers, right? Yes, so he, he's a set designer right. lead. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So, so on, within set design... Dave Humphreys largely likes a consistent set team of the right mix of personalities and talents to develop his sets uh, versus Adam Prozac, for example, and another set lead. Adam really, really appreciates having a constant rotation of new perspective, new designers, new thoughts coming on to his teams when he's leading a set. Uh, it's sort of he uses it to sanity check. Uh, his own perceptions and to make sure he doesn't have any blind spots on things. So it varies wildly depending on the set lead, their experience, their personalities. The same is probably true inside of vision design, but I think everybody probably knows most of vision design uh, is, is led by yourself. And there's pretty consistent pieces you like as well, but the struggle is trying to have enough of them available <laughs> available for you when, when you like them. That's right. Exactly. Another That's thing incredible. that the I mean, the reason I talked earlier about how many sets are going on at once is another big challenge which you have to deal with is it's not like every set gets to maximize what it wants in some level. Like the, the there's people and each person can only work on so many sets. So maybe I'd love to have person X on my set, but they're working on three other sets, so I can't have them on my set. Yeah, and that's that is the continual struggle that we have. Um, and you know, as as you would expect, the all of our best people are in very high demand, right? And so they're even in high demand beyond the magic products that we're making. We make other products at Wizards of the Coast um, who often want our input, our assessment of things. Uh, and so balancing that, prioritizing, uh, you know, what is going to make the largest impact uh, to magic in different formats for different player segments, uh, it's a lot of plates to spin, but we have grown so much. I think we've done a pretty good job of, of trying to keep pace and, and keeping our eye on the ball to to, uh, to give us specifically all of our needs, all the pieces they need to to make the wonderful soup again and again. That is magic. It's funny. I was going to use a plate spinning metaphor, but you beat me to it. Um, <laughs> there is one of the things that's interesting because there's so much stuff going on. There's a lot of trying to keep all these things happening and they interrelate to one another. It's not as if these exist in a vacuum. Things we do in one set will affect another set. Uh, and 
who, like, another thing that you plan, for example, is let's say two sets care about each other. We'll make sure to put one person on both teams so that there's someone watching both of them at the same time. There's like a lot of nuance to, to sort of who's on what team. Yeah, there, there, there definitely is. And that's what I refer to as sort of the through line. And is, that is to make sure we they have good continuity and sort of thought and subtleties as, as a set goes along from exploratory design into vision design into set design and then, you know, landing the plane in, in play design is to make sure we have a through line uh, as teams rotate. Somebody is always there who knows why we made a, a given decision 10 months earlier uh, can can save us a lot of trouble. Um, okay, so, so yeah, that, that's definitely a big part. So I'm going to walk us through an example to sort of talk about, I'm, I'm going to, because Streets of New Compena is the set that's coming out right now, um, mm -hmm. I'm going to use that as a sample, just cause to, to be contemporary with what's going on right now, and talk a little bit about the challenges of choosing an exploratory team or choosing a vision design team. Um, okay, so this particular set, uh, Mark Gottlieb was the person that came up with kind of the, the, the concept of what the world wanted to be. We had this very loose idea of demon mobsters, and then Mark, in a meeting, and I, I did an article where I literally posted his email, in the middle of a meeting, Mark has this idea, he emails it to uh, Ken Troop, and it became the foundation of what the set was. So when you and I were talking, like, who should be leading the vision of this team? I'm like, Mark should be leading it. It's his idea. <laughs> uh, we want Mark doing it. I mean, you you agreed with me 100%. But, like, it was very clear we wanted him leading this. Um, yeah. But one of the challenges, for example, so um, Mark Gottlieb has led a few other sets. He and I co-led Gate Crash together. Um, I think it was Mark. Mark led... Um, uh, uh and Besiege, I believe, was the first set he led. Um, he, he's led a bunch of different magic sets. Um, but one of Mark's strengths, like, Mark, to me, his greatest strength is he's the best top-down guy we got. Like, yeah. he's really, really good of taking something that's meaty and flavorful and just finding ways to, to seep that flavor into the set in a way that's, like, just darling and lovable. Yeah, Mark, Mark is the, the the dirty secret is Mark Gottlieb is my favorite magic designer because of the things he focuses on specifically. He is, he is just absolute world class at sort of doing top down design, as you mentioned, of taking a real resonant trope or concept or idea and boiling it down into a very simple card. Uh, that that uh, tons of different players can concept. He he makes the most smile inducing cards. Uh, of, 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 I think, of, of any of our set leads. And what's unique there, as you, you've hinted at, um, unlike other uh, designers, Mark Gottlieb, for that set specifically, for Streets of New Capenna, because it, it was his original idea, he was someone, like you said, Mark should lead vision design. And what I know about Mark Gottlieb is he can also continue leading sort of some portion of set design to make sure this set is going to resonate and as the file starts to come together uh, he is still the right person to lead it through some portion of set design that's pretty unique we don't often do that right and so mark's strengths very interestingly is he excels at the end of vision design and the beginning of set design that's where his sweet spot of where he's strongest that, that, that's correct and it's and it's very rare that's 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 the part that you know, I take for granted day to day, but to your point, is very rare in how we make magic. Right. So, but, but my point, though, is, okay, we want to make this set. He clearly, like, one of the big things about the vision is not only do I, I mean, 
I want the person who truly has the true vision of the set to be the vision lead. That That's the whole goal of vision is I want the person who can picture what the end result is to be the people leading early on to set the bull's eyes and do all that. Right. That was clearly Mark. But it, the, the interesting thing here is, um, and like I said, I'm not making any knock against Mark. Mark is, he has certain skills and he's great at them. I think best in R&D in certain things. But... Mm-hmm. That means there's areas he's less good, and that's not a strike against Mark at all. It's just people have strengths and weaknesses. I have strengths and weaknesses. I'm really good at the beginning of the product. You don't want me to be leading play design or anything, you know. So, um, and so one of the things that was a challenge for, for this particular set was the early part. The sort of there's a blank page and you make structure out of nothing. It's not something Mark is great at. Uh, to be to be fair, few people are very. I, I'm good at it, but it's not a skill that a lot of people are great at. It's a very very weird skill set that I, I happen to be good at, but it's not something a lot of people are good at. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and, and you weren't good at it probably right from day one, right? Oh, you, no, no, been no. doing this a long time and owned that skill that is very unique to you. Yes, I've, I've led 40 plus sets, so it, it's not as if <laughs> the first set out I was great at it. Like, I, I right, you you work at things and you get better over time. Yeah. So the challenge with Streets of New Campano was I had somebody who had a great vision, who I really loved, but I knew that there were some challenges. And so how we built the team was, okay, how do we support Mark in early parts of Vision so that he's supported, but that he has what he needs? And that meant, you know, we wanted a team early on that was stronger at that sort of structural aspect of, 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 making, of making the set. That, that's right. All of our team composition is, is trying to uh, make sure we have the right person at the right time who over-indexes on what a given set most needs and then build enough scaffolding around them for where they have blind spots or things that just aren't in their wheelhouse. Uh, and that, that that's that's what we do on every set month to month. And on Streets of New Capina, right, it was finding that right time through set design to sort of give Mark Gottlieb a partner uh, as a lead and slowly hand the baton from one person to the another as it goes. And that, that person was, was Jules Robbins. Right. And, and Jules is another of our set designers. Um, so like the, the, the way this, so this particular set, we're like, okay, um, we knew that we would have to sort of give a little more support to Mark in the beginning, but Mark could handle, you know, vision and the beginning of set design. And then he would transition to hand off to Jules. Jules would do set design. And then probably Andrew did play design, I assume. But, you know, at some point, it would transition to play design. That's correct. Um, now, the interesting thing, so one of the things that's, that, that's kind of neat about this, and much like making magic sets, making magic teams has the same quality, which is everyone's different. So, for example, exploratory for this set was different than a lot of sets. Mm-hmm. There's sometimes we start exploratory. We have no idea. I mean, we have a germ of an idea, but we, have, we don't know exactly what it means. You know, when I Ikoria started, it's like, it's a monster set. What does that mean? Like, it had a very open-ended idea. Where when we started this set, Mark had an idea. Like, we had this concept of, you know, um, three-color faction families. You know, like, we started in exploratory way farther along than a lot of sets start in exploratory. So that meant it was a different kind of exploratory team. Yeah, and, and one one of the things that that allows me to do when there is, you know, in, in this example, when there's a lot of meat already on the bone versus, you know, other sets that are much more of a, of a blank slate, um, we're also able to adjust things in terms of uh, the caliber or experience level uh, of the designers that we would put on that kind of team, um, their specific areas of focus, 
And the one that drives you the most crazy that I do, the amount of time we will spend in a given phase, if we already have a lot of questions answered, that's when I'm not your best friend. And and, and I'm trying to sort of condense some of those time frames to free up those people for, for other teams. Yeah, so just so that the audience understands, like, Brady will often come to me and say, do, do you really need three months? Would two months work? <laughs> And my the, the the general rule whenever someone says can you take less time you're supposed to go no oh, no 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 I I need the time I have that, that's the answer you're supposed to give. I try to be a good partner. I really really do try. Yeah, and and, and the, the thing that hopefully people understand. I mean, Brady and I get along great, and, and the end goal of anything is we're trying to make the best product and trying to have the best team. And you know, part of the thing that we're trying to do and making anything is figure out what we need. Like, exploratory for Streets of New Capenna was a lot different than exploratory from Neon, Gen- you know, um, Neon Dynasty or um, yeah. uh, even Crimson Vow. I mean, there, each set has its own kind of requirements of how you have to put it together. Um, okay, so the interesting thing about this set was um, one of the things that we did very early on is Mark and I came to an agreement that we would model this set after Kanzatarkir. Um because Kanzatarkir was a three-color faction set. It was wedge and not arcs, but you know, it was it was similar in structure. Um, and that one of the things we did, and we don't always do this, this is not how all magic sets work, every magic set's unique. We realized that there was a structure that existed that Mark could map off to start with. Um, and that was right. very, very helpful for Mark because Mark is great once he has the structure, but the making of the structure is, is, is complicated. And so him and I agreeing on the structure really let him sort of take off in vision. Yeah, it, it, it sure did. So, you know, we kind of refer to that as, you know, you know, building on the bones of something we know works, something we know players really, really like. I would love no, nothing more if we had the ability to do that every time. It is surprisingly very, very rare when we're able to take an existing file and go, okay, here's our foundation. Now let's take our new ideas, the creative of this, and we will just build atop this and it'll work out fine. Magic is so, so complex and every set ends up being so, so unique that it's really, really rare when we're able to do what we did on Streets of New Cabinda. Yeah, and it, like I said, it one of the interesting things on every set is each set is unique. Like, we're talking about Streets of New Capenna, but if we talked about, you know, Neon Dynasty, that was just a completely different set of criteria, had different needs, had a different team, you know, and that it's cool on set by set, we sort of figure out what does this product need? What does this team need? What, what people do we need? And um, one of the things that you're really strong at that I appreciate is kind of knowing what the right mix of skills is so that, like, you're putting together a team that will have all the component pieces we need. Yeah, you know, it's the, it, it's the, the secret is my job is actually really easy if I listen to our super smart, super talented leads. So um, Dave Humphreys, so let's use, let's use um, Neo Kamigawa as an example since that, that just came out and, and everybody seems to have really, really enjoyed it. And it's one of the better recent examples of both creative and game design just blending together beautifully to deliver just a wonderful experience. Okay. Um, it, it, it would suggest that we just make no mistakes and start to finish. <laughs> we had the right people at the right time throughout. I will tell you three months into set design like i think vision design was was really strong i was a i was a wallflower on a lot of early exploratory meetings you were having and and through vision design 
three months into set design, I remember specifically having a conversation with Dave Humphreys who said, I just don't see it. I'm just not resonating and connecting with the conflict of, uh, you know, modernity and, you know, history or whatever we refer to it as. Um, And that was sort of a stopping point to go like, okay, let's let's regather all of the people who have been shepherding this to this point, uh, even outside of game design and creative and world building. And can we align on this and and get our heads wrapped around it to where Dave is going, okay, I got it. Now I know how to build my set around those core principles. Um, And it works to to great effect, but it's just a highlight. Uh, you know, the best end result doesn't always doesn't always map to uh, our our best execution day by day. And you bring up an interesting thing. Uh, uh, Dave, for example, as a set lead, likes to be on the entire vision design team. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, I've uh, like uh, Neon Dynasty, Ikoria, War of the Spark. Um, there, there have been a bunch of different teams that I. I did the initial design and I handed it off to Dave and Dave was with me in, 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 on the vision team. And that is how Dave is most comfortable because Dave really enjoys during the, you know, the molding process early on to right. be able to, Hey, make comments or, or, you know, I always, when I'm working with Dave, I, he gives very interesting insight because he understands downstream really well. And so he will help me form and make sure that he's, like, he's asking the questions that allow me and my team, of which he's part of, um, to make the right decisions. So we enable what we need to do down, down road. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great example that I use with our sort of, you know, mid-level or less experienced set leads who are, we're, we're, we're trying to grow and who are getting more opportunities. I hold up that as an example, right, of, of hey, I would love to have you be part of the vision team. Um, but what they, what they struggle with is what Dave doesn't struggle with. And Dave will be part of every vision team if he's going to lead the set. But he's, he, he won't be a throttle as any as any vision team, he's not going to try to close off any part of, of what's going on during vision design because he knows he has to execute on this. And some of these ideas seem wacky or crazy, or how could I possibly possibly make that work and limit it? Dave will very deftly sort of help give feedback to guide to kind of keep things in a range that he knows he will be able to execute on to, to delightful cards. Other designers without a lot of reps, don't know how to do that quite <laughs> quite as delicately. Um, and so that could be disruptive, right, to the actual purpose of what vision design is. Um, so we have a lot of examples of things we'd like to get to. We wish every single designer had the capability to do, but the truth is every single one of them is unique. And so learning the dance of where to plug them in and how to guide them and keep them focused on the right things uh, is something both you and I, you know, deal with it uh, coming from different angles. And just an example. So vision design is traditionally four months long. Day, for example, would be on four months of vision design. But mm-hmm. other designers might be on one month or two months. Like, like, it really does depend on how they function, where it's most useful to plug them in. Yeah. And that Dave is very interesting in that he wants to be there from the very beginning, but that is not true. That's not how some set designers work. And that... Um, one of the things that's really interesting that I, I try to communicate to my vision designers is it matters who you're handing the set off to. I will design the set differently if I'm giving it to Dave or to Eric or to Yanni or to Jules or to Adam. You're like, depending on who I'm making the set for, I will make the set differently because I'm trying to make sure that I'm making 
the tools that that designer and the way they work will make the best set. Yeah, there, there, there's no shortage of people who uh, inside the building who probably wish this could be a very much a cookie cutter operation, right? It's just something that we could scale and we could put anybody on. It's about the right people for the the, the right number of people for the right amount of time. And it, you couldn't be further for the truth in, in what it actually takes to make uh, to make magic work, right? And there, there, there's a reason why individual cards you know, resonate with our players, why it feels so good, why this one means so much to an individual. And it's because everything we do is super, super bespoke and hand rolled. And we argue and we fought a lot about what we're doing card by card, color by color, format by format to make sure we're, we're, we are doing our absolute best and we don't always succeed, but we're always doing our absolute best to give every single player type cards that they can fall in love with and, and keep playing this game we love so much. And so just, I mean, like I said, my hope, my hope for the takeaway from the audience today is I spent a lot of time talking about the, the, the mechanics and the, the, the little making of the set, but the making of the team that makes the set has just as much nuance, just as much, like there's just as much uh, craft in making the team that makes the set as the making of the set itself. Yeah, people crafting. It's it's it, it. Fortunately, it's a really really fun part and challenge for me, um, and I get to you know contribute. Like I said, all my bad ideas, all my bad card submissions. Everybody does a really nice job of humoring me and then dismissing my terrible ideas and not letting it turn into a card. Works out great. And so one of the things before we wrap up here, because I, I can see my desk, so we're not too far from work. Um, I do want to say Brady that uh, I've worked with a lot of managers. I, I've been at Wizards forever, and you are my favorite manager. Um, the, the, the thing that I love about you is you have such a passion for people. Like, like you look at every, every person and you always see, like, what, where does this person shine? What are they best at? And you are so good at figuring out how to, like, maximize everybody. Like, the, the, that's the thing that I really enjoy working with you is, um, like... I don't have to worry so much. You're going to, I mean, I do, you and I talk a lot, but you're going to give me a good team. I know that I'm always going to get something that's going to help me make what I need to make. Um, and, and the other thing that we didn't even get into, like we have to train people and like part of making teams is this person doesn't have experience, but we need them to get experience and make sure that there's enough experience. So this person can learn, but I have enough people that can get the work done. If the person learning isn't quite up to speed yet, stuff like that. Yeah. It, 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 it certainly is tricky, but the, the, the real truth of it is that I get to spend all of my days working with people like yourself and Aaron Forsyth and all, all, all of our set leads and all of our individual designers, folks who have been doing it for 20 plus years and folks who are brand new, have been playing the game for a long time, but they're now just learning what it takes to actually make magic cards. The mix of those experience levels and perspectives uh, and attitudes and desires is, you know, what a, what a joy. I get the fun part because I get to work with all of you people who are smarter and more talented than I could ever hope to be. That I just get to hold on to your uh, hold on to your capes uh, and 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 try to help everybody in the best way I can. So yeah, and and, and it works pretty well for magic. So it's great. So anyway, I need to wrap this up. I, I do want to mention, by the way, that I talked at the beginning about process and people, and we spent the whole time talking about people. Uh, <laughs> so there's a whole other part of your process of scheduling, all the stuff that we didn't even get into, uh, just so people are aware that not only are you balancing all the people and all the teams, but you know, th there's infinite schedule. There's a lot of process stuff that we didn't even get into. So um, your job is very complicated, and I didn't even get into half the job. So. 
we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll come back and we'll do it again soon and talk about what, everything we missed. Anyway, uh, guys, I can see my desk. So we all know what that means. It means this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I want to thank you, Brady, for being with us. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everybody, for playing magic. And to all you, I will see you next time. Bye-bye.